0: and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome back to the MCAT podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm sorry for my voice. I am sick. I've been sick for a long time. I have a almost three-year-old who's in preschool, and uh, she brings, brings home lots of bugs, and so... I've been uh, dealing with a raspy throat, so I apologize if it's bothering you, but I will fight through it and get you this episode today. So session 30 here at the MCAT Podcast, we're going to jump right in with Brian. All right, so last week we had a biology passage. This week we're going back to discrete questions. I know a couple weeks ago you said you cherry pick some of the the more common questions that students got right. What are you going to do with us this week, Brian?
1: So in with this set of questions, what we're trying to illustrate is um, trying to avoid falling into trap answers. So each one of the questions here is a question that Um, You you know, a a good chunk of students got right. Anywhere from 40 to 70 percent got right. But in each case, there was one answer that a lot of students got trapped on. There was a really sizable minority that got trapped by a particular trap answer. And so we want to think about, you, you know, what's tempting about that and how can we avoid it? All right. Uh, you wanna you wanna hit us with question number fifteen? Oh, there, you're Ryan?
0: gonna make me do these again. All right, let's yep. go. So, fifteen. The peptide bond that forms the backbone of proteins is especially stable because it a consists of a triple bond, which is significantly stronger and more stable. B is a carboxylic acid derivative. C would result in proteins that denatured easily if it were unstable. Or D, exhibits resonance stabilization.
1: Yep. I, I so, have no idea. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no patient presents with an inflamed peptide bond, right? <laughs> so don't need to know that once we're uh, actually doctors. So in this case, this is a, a content fact that students have to know about a, a peptide bonds, which, are the, they are, which is that they are amides and that amides have resonance stabilization. So answer choice D is the right answer there. Uh, and in fact, most students get that right. About 75% of students get that right. The trick here is answer choice B says, is a carboxylic acid derivative? And here's why that's the, uh, a trick. It's true, right? A peptide is an amide, and an amide is a carboxylic acid derivative from a, a amine and a carboxylic acid forming an amide. And so a lot of students picked that. I mean, almost the other entire other 25% of students picked answer choice B, that it's a carboxylic acid derivative. And so the lesson that this question is teaching us, and we're going to see this again in some of these other questions, is it has to answer the question, not just be true. So yes, a peptide bond is a carboxylic acid derivative, but that doesn't mean it's inherently stable, right? The question was, is stable because... And of course, there's molecules like acyl halides, uh, to a lesser extent, anhydrides. There are carboxylic acid derivatives that are not stable. So, answer choice B, although true about peptides, doesn't answer the question they actually asked us.
0: Makes sense. They just is that a is that a reading issue and comprehension issue, or is it a I'm trying to go too fast issue?
1: Yeah, both. I mean, you, you you hit both of the things that happen there. Students get into a panic mode, and they read B, carboxylic acid derivative, and they're just like, oh, oh whatever, that's right. And they just kind of guess it, and they don't read all the choices, and so they move on. Uh, or alternatively, by the time they get to the end of the question and are reading choice A, they've already forgotten exactly what the question asked. Uh, and Ryan, you had asked, uh, I think, last week or the week before about – you know, making sure you don't miss a keyword like least in the question stem. And the thing I mentioned at the time was you can highlight in the question itself, and you should. And so to make sure you're answering the exact question that they asked you, use the highlighter in the question.
0: Okay. All right. Let's uh, move on.
1: Sure. Let's take it. I'll, I'll go ahead and read 16. In prokaryotes, genes can exist as op- operons that are transcribed into a polycistronic mRNA containing multiple genes in a single transcript. In eukaryotes, transcripts exist only as monocistronic mRNA containing a single gene. What fundamental genetic difference is responsible for this distinction? So what genetic difference is responsible for this distinction between polycystronic mRNA in prokaryotes and monocistronic mRNA in eukaryotes? Choice A, mRNA is transported outside of the nucleus in eukaryotes. B, prokaryotic mRNA has a 5' GTP cap. C, prokaryotes use a single start codon for multiple genes. D, in eukaryotes, each gene has their own transcription initiation site. So here's another one where answer choice D is the right answer, right? In eukaryotes, Each gene has its own initiation site, and so one mRNA is transcribed off it for one gene, and that then is the right answer. Now, again, a very common trap answer is choice A, mRNA is transported outside the nucleus in eukaryotes. That's true. Absolutely true, right? You, you, you move outside the nucleus to make a protein. Uh, and prokaryotes don't have a nucleus. So that, that is a distinction between the two. But just like we saw at 15, this is an example where the trap answer, although true, is not the answer to the question. The question was specifically getting at this difference between mRNAs that are poly versus monocistronic, right? How can you have multiple genes in one mRNA as opposed to a single gene in mRNA? And that has nothing to do with where the RNA is. Is it in the nucleus or not? So again, just like with 15 and and really what we're going to see with all these questions, a key lesson on the MCAT, don't pick an answer choice just because it's true. Pick it because it actually answers the question.
0: I think that's a a good distinction and and probably for for you listening if you've taken an mcat before I'm sure when you go and review those those questions on that test and you have oh that was a stupid mistake that was a stupid mistake that's probably these types of mistakes that you're missing these questions so good advice here
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And when you have that, oh, it was a stupid mistake kind of reaction, I always push students, dig in. Don't just brush it off as stupid mistake. Why was it a stupid mistake? So you don't do it again.
0: Yeah. All right. It's question 17 in miRNA. Is that how you say that? MI? I don't even know anymore. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. MiRNA. It's amazing how much you forget. (laughs) In miRNA directed gene silencing, a small RNA binds to an mRNA and directs Degradation of the mRNA or prevents translation of the mRNA. Which of the following terms describes the process through which binding occurs? A, RNA polymerization. B, hybridization. C, elongation. Or D, transcription.
1: Ryan, do you remember these terms? Negative. Negative. Okay, there you go. So he, the question stem kind of yammers on for a bit, right? It says this happens, this happens, this happens, yada yada. But what it, it, we got to focus on exactly what the question asked: the process of binding. Specifically, one kind of RNA binds to another kind of RNA. So two nucleic acids come together, two single-stranded nucleic acids come together, uh, like Velcro, they stick to each other. Whether it's, you know, two DNAs, two RNAs, a DNA and an RNA, actually doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. It's all answer choice B, hybridization. Um, and notice that had nothing to do with the gene silencing or all the, you know, the funky little non-coding RNA processes that are hinted at in the question. Really, this was just a definition. What do you call it when two, two nucleic acid strands glom onto each other? They, they hybridize. Uh, the trap here is again, answer choice A, RNA polymerization, right? The word RNA shows up over and over and over again in the question stem. And, uh, you know, it sounds like polymerization. So, oh, yeah, things sticking together. That sounds like making a polymer. And so students pick answer choice A. Um, and so this is just a definition question. You have to know what RNA and DNA polymerization is. And that's when individual nucleic acid monomers get strung together into a whole big, long RNA strand. Right. So when you transcribe mRNA from DNA, you are polymerizing a long RNA strand. Or when you do a replication fork and, and your DNA replicates, you are polymerizing new DNA strands. Uh, and so that's certainly something that happens. It happens all the time, but it's not what the question asked about. The question was much more straightforward, basically gave us the exact definition of hybridization, and we just had to pick that out of the answer choices.
0: Okay. Moving on?:
1: Yeah, let's take a look at the last one here, number 44. Several samples are analyzed for nucleotide composition. Which of the following compositions most likely represents single-stranded piece of DNA? Which of these is a single-stranded piece of DNA? OK, let's look at the answer choices. A says 17 percent A and 17 percent T, 33 percent G, and 33 percent C. Answer choice B says 29% A and 14% U. Now, if you're listed, paying attention at this point, you immediately eliminate this choice because the question said DNA and uracil is only found in RNA. So choice B has got to be wrong. Then you go to choice C. 4% A, 4% U. And now, again, you eliminate uracil, right? So B and C, easy to eliminate. Uracil is not found in DNA. And then we get to answer choice D. 12% A, 12% T, 30% G, 46% C. So now once again answer choice A said 17% A and T each and 33% G and C each. And then answer choice D said 12 A and T each but 30% G and 46% C. yeah. And so now here's what I know. You do? Okay. okay, So
0: I think, I think, I I think it's D although a could also be DNA. It says which one most likely represents. So I'd have to go with D.
1: Oh, okay. So Ryan, you're absolutely right. D is the right answer. Although when you were reading the question, you actually skipped over the most important part of the question, which was single stranded. Yeah. Yeah. That's,
0: that's what I meant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the the trick with a choice A is when the A's and T's match each other, both 17 percent. And when the G's and C's match each other, both 33 percent, that's double stranded. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, this is a question that over 60 percent of students get wrong because they pick a right off the bat because they've been so conditioned to make the A's and T's and G's and C's all match each other. But again, they didn't answer the exact question that got asked. Yep,
0: single-stranded. I, I I didn't mention that when I talked about it, but that's that's why I picked D, single-stranded.
1: Yep, there you go, perfect. So big, big, big lesson, probably the biggest lesson in all of standardized tasks, whether you're taking the MCAT or the USMLE or anything, answer the exact question they asked you.
0: And I think it's why we always stress that even though you have to know the content for the MCAT, the MCAT is not a test-based, it's, it's not a content-based test. And this, this proves, without a doubt, right? This is proof. <laughs> this, this shows why, why we say what we say and why the study that, that came out a while ago, uh, was that 2008, that science, um, the science article that, that showed that the MCAT is the least content-based test out of all of the, the higher-level testing
1: yeah, absolutely. It is a reason, reading and reasoning test that is incidentally about science rather than a recall test.
0: All right. I hope that was useful. Breaking down some of those common trap answers, helping you figure out why they are traps, and helping you avoid the trap. I hope you have a great week. If you enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor: go tell a friend. If you are, if you don't listen to the pre mid years then you don't know that one of my biggest mottos is collaboration, not competition. So if you're not telling your friend about the MCAT podcast because you don't want him or her to have the same information, then shame on you. Share this information. Them doing well on the MCAT is not going to hurt you. You are competing against yourself when it comes to the MCAT. When you're applying to medical school, it's not... Well, it is a curved test, so it's, you may argue with me. Uh, it's not really curved, it's scaled. We'll we'll put it that way. So anyway, go share this with a friend, with your pre-med advisor, with anybody. If you would like to leave us a rating interview in iTunes, you can do that as well, but I'd prefer if you just shared it with a friend. Anyway, I hope you have a great week. Come check us out next week here at the MCAT Podcast.